Every Brain Matters is a community of support and advocacy based on science and lived experience. Visit us at everybrainmatters.org. You know, here at Every Brain Matters, we get families that reach out to us that have been harmed by marijuana. And today we're going to speak to Michael, who says he experienced symptoms of psychosis from his marijuana use. Welcome to the Every Brain Matters podcast. I'm your host, Aubrey Adams, and a former Colorado mom and host mom for youth and recovery. Welcome, Michael. Thank you so much for reaching out to me and being willing to share your experience. How how was your life like you experienced uh, negative effects from using cannabis or marijuana? Before I really was knowledgeable about the subject, I wasn't too sure whether or not marijuana or any other addictions I indulged in really precipitated those experiences. But, um, you know, after smoking, it definitely amplified any anxiety I had ever experienced. Um, and it led to quite long lasting uh, psychotic symptoms and episodes that would come and go over time that I hadn't experienced prior to smoking marijuana. Um, before that, I was more lively, outgoing. I had a greater grip on my emotions. And all of that seemed to fade over time. And till this day, I still have depersonalization, which is basically you're an outside observer of your experience. It's really difficult to explain to somebody who hasn't had it before, but basically things just look very two-dimensional. Um, and sometimes I'm spaced out, though it's improved over time. But those episode, that psychotic episode was really scary, though at the time I didn't really, well, I wasn't able to test reality. Can you describe the events that kind of led up to your decision of using marijuana? Were, were you educated that marijuana could cause psychosis? I definitely didn't expect uh what would ensue. I thought marijuana was, well, I knew that it wasn't harmless, though I didn't really know what psychosis was. You know, I thought maybe that's something you'd experience from dabbling with psychedelic drugs like mushrooms or even like methamphetamines, things of that nature. And that weed, marijuana just sort of mellowed you out and it was very popular amongst my peers. And at the time I was 18 years old, um, dealing with the stresses of everyday life, pressures, school, which academically I wasn't suffering, though I had heightened anxiety. And one of my close friends, I won't disclose too many, too much personal information about any of the people involved. It was really just one person at the time who coaxed me into it, assured me that it would alleviate the symptoms of anxiety that I was experiencing. And so I believe it was Christmas day of 2018. I had this sort of in, internal conflict, you know, should I do it? 
should I listen to my intuition, to my elders who warned me about the dangers associated with marijuana use? To add some humor to the situations, kind of like the devil and angel on my shoulder. But I, I guess I listened to the, in the peer pressure more because I, again, I felt like it can't be that bad. It's, it's just marijuana and everyone's doing it. So I smoked uh, with my friend the first time. I didn't really feel much. So I felt I have to smoke more aggressively, uh, a higher quantity of marijuana. And so that's what I would do over the course of, I think, a month or a few months. My memory of these experiences is somewhat of a blur. So I don't exactly remember every detail of what happened. Over time, I just started feeling kind of spaced out. I had the telltale signs of being stoned, you know, uh, craving more food than usual. In the distance, I would see what appeared to be family members on my street that would actually be like stop signs or garbage cans. And at, at the time, me and my friend just kind of uh, brushed it off and laughed. And it didn't frighten me in any way, shape, or form. But there was one day. Well, I was feeling really stressed out that day. And he said, we're going to smoke a ton of weed. And I had this adrenaline rush. Like I enjoyed sort of being rebellious and I thought it made me cool. And, you know, I would tell people, you know, I smoke weed. I like to get high. And beforehand, I was somewhat of a, you could say a purist, I guess. I mean, I would feel immense guilt over indulging in any type of addiction. But yeah, I was addicted because I was constantly seeking out marijuana. And lo and behold, after doing research, it does play on the same dopaminergic mechanisms in the brain, though I'm not, of course, a specialist. That's just some of my limited research into the matter. I felt really addicted. I was craving it constantly. And so we smoked a lot in the woods. And I was looking at my friend's face and it kind of started like twirling a little bit. And that made me anxious. That precipitated more fear. And I thought, you know, should I really continue doing this? This is probably like the seventh or eighth time I ever smoked weed, but this time it was a really large quantity. And we went back to his house on his porch and he was smoking through a pipe, but it was just, it wasn't like wax. It wasn't dabbing. It was just the nuggets or whatever you call them. I don't know, but there was quite a bit. We smoked a lot and he vomited like projectile vomited on his porch. And I, I freaked out because I thought it's probably, it's probably laced. We're going to die. Something's going to happen to me. And I just looked at my hands and I'm like, I, I was like, what's going on? I feel like I'm dreaming. Like everything felt unreal. I was like, is this even real right now? Um, and he kind of tried to calm me down. He's nothing's going to happen. Chill out. Um, unsuccessfully. And then there was a time lapse from being on the porch. And then I found myself in the bathroom looking in the mirror and like combing my, like combing my hair with like gel, combing each other's hair, laughing and just making like crazy hairstyles. And I, I, again, I was frightened because I looked in the mirror and I'm like, I don't even remember how I got here, what I'm doing. And um, basically after that, I went home and I slept it off. And the next day I didn't feel that anymore. I didn't feel spaced out, dreamy. He was fine. Uh, he, well, I perceived him at the time as very mellow, albeit irritable at times, especially when he was high, often get annoyed if I 
vocalize some sort of concern or worry like dude just calm down like i don't know if i can curse but a lot of cursing and um yeah my, my experience is really cast doubt upon the um misconception that's often propagated about marijuana that it amplifies one's empathy because you know it definitely numbed me down the people i was around seemed sort of not always i mean i knew some people who smoked too they still had like empathy, but I think it hampered down on some people's empathy quite a bit um, that I was around and they didn't seem to experience any regret or like remorse or like um, they didn't really seem to be bothered over what happened to me. They, they just said, you know, it was probably, uh, you probably smoke too much. You're not experienced. And other people said it was probably laced. So I, um, went back home and it went away after I woke up the next day. And then he called me again and said, you want to smoke more? And I smoked again. And right away that happened this time there was rate. It was accompanied by racing thoughts that were like spiraling in my head that were almost like, I didn't hear any voices, but they were very loud and repetitive thoughts like terrorizing me. And so after that, I was like, yeah, I'm not smoking weed anymore. But I did happen to find myself taking like a puff or two in the school bathroom from somebody or just around my peers. They'd offer me it. And that feeling of like being depersonalized, uh, it never subsided till this day. And most people who develop deeper, it's not a form of psychosis because you're still like aware of your experience. And most people who I've known people who had it, who recovered, but the scary part comes from maybe, I think it was like a month after all those experiences. Um, I started to get really irrational. My thinking started to devolve into like paranoid fears and ideations over just seemingly well like random things honestly but some of them were very like stereotypical like conspiracy theories and whatnot but some of them just didn't make any sense whatsoever looking back but i could not be convinced otherwise uh that these delusions were false for instance i was on my computer once watching a video about it was like an animal channel on on youtube and they had a bunch of they were like um recording safaris in Africa and they were trying to get like figure out to get close-up views of like wild animals and they would make these little remote control like dolls of animals that looked very realistic and they had actually like a camera through its eyes to record the animals close-up and I, I started thinking like that there's some sort of conspiracy for them to make, to replace animals with robots or that robots would like take over the world. And um, I didn't know who they were though. I just thought it was like the people who, like my, my thinking was very confused. It kept, the, the delusions kept changing uh, every day. But I remember I was searching through the comments looking for somebody to agree, like this is evil, what are they doing? They're trying to like toy with humanity and nature over like just like, like a, doll of an animal like uh i don't know what it was i was looking for comments to confirm my delusional 
thinking and I, I couldn't find any. And I was like, why doesn't anybody see this? Nobody can see through this. Like only I'm able to, to know what's going on. And I started like leaving comments and nobody was responding. I was like, these people like they don't see it like they don't understand me and i was showing people it as well i was like do you see what they're doing here and they were like oh okay they didn't really think much of it or feel concerned they're just like brushed it up brushed it under the rug and another delusion was like it might have been that same night i started hearing like this hovering noise outside my house and i thought maybe there was a ufo trying to abduct me and I, I went to bed very afraid, um, though at the same time, I knew something was wrong because I was highly anxious, but I was, I was, I think, yeah, I mean, I was, I would think I'm, I didn't know back then, but I would say I was bordering on insanity um, in, in a state of psychosis, though there was, there was, um, there weren't any like overt, like, auditory or visual hallucinations like patterns or hearing people calling my name or anything like that but a lot of delusional thinking um delusions a lot of like grandiosity um at a certain point in college i started like getting i was very much into like new age spirituality and i would like buy crystals because i thought they would they would cleanse like negative energy and i would dress up very eccentric like this shirt that had like stars on it, like a blue hat and like this chakra necklace. And I thought like it would make me stand out or I would, or like it would give me some sort of like powers. Um, and, and a lot of people, like some people were like laughing at me, but I didn't really understand why at the time. Uh, definitely wasn't nice of them, but uh, nobody pointed out that there was anything wrong. I eventually... Just, I was just feeling really depressed and I, I um, wanted to end my life, actually. I went to the store and I bought a dog leash and I felt like I was like in a movie. I was like trying to get people to see me, trying to look like overtly depressed so somebody can like run after me and be like, do you need help? And I was like playing out like these scenes in my mind and I bought this dog leash and I just took it back and I, I never like, I never even attempted that, but then maybe like a month after, no, like a few months after that, I mean, this seemed to have lasted for a long time. Um, one of the counselors at the school recommended I go to a inpatient psych unit just for depression. They said depression and anxiety. And I stayed there for a few days with individuals experiencing schizophrenia, uh, substance use disorders. I met like some friends who were addicted to heroin. Uh, well, I don't speak to them today, but I sort of befriended one guy who was addicted to heroin. I'm not going to go on tangents though, but um, through, when I, the entire time I was there, I was like ruminating about conspiracy theories about like the end of the world and like, um, the elites like pulling strings on society and uh, all these renowned like conspiracy theories. Um, and it was like freaking me out quite a bit. And um, 
eventually I left. And again, I, I was like, had this suicidal ideation. Cause I thought, you know, I'm going insane. I might like end up going insane and doing something bad. So the only way out, if I don't want to like, if I, if I don't want to go psychotic and lose my mind and do God knows what, the only way out is, is ending my own life uh, to sacrifice my life for others. It was just really bizarre thinking. And I never did it because I was questioning the idea of hell, um, of going to hell. And that prevented me from doing that. But at the, at, like, at the same time, I didn't, I knew I wasn't actually going to do it. I was just like playing out like almost like a movie um, in my mind, almost like somebody was watching. And it happened a third time, like thinking everyone's evil and thinking like it's the end of the world. And like um, all these feelings sort of died down over time, but there was still, you know, some paranoia over the years, like in social situations about being demeaned or people plotting against me and things like that. But that's, that's the gist of it. Wow. Well, Michael, I, I appreciate you being so honest and vulnerable about those experiences. And I think you sharing this is going to reach other people. So what would be your recommendation to those people that might be experiencing some kind of type of psychosis or depression, anxiety, self-harm? What, what would you what would you say to them the best thing they could do for themselves? Hopefully that hopefully there's like a trusting relative or friends um, who can monitor them and is aware of, you know, what's going on because if there's very limited self-awareness, that's probably the most dangerous, as you know, um, with me, I, I, and I was like watching some of the other stories. I still had this feeling that something was wrong with me. Um, but I was just so confused especially since the fears and the delusions kept changing so rapidly and I would get so fixated on them. And I wasn't really talking with many people about this. Um, I even at a certain point was reaching out to people equally as paranoid delusions and they sort of like um, would play on them. You know, they would startle me. And what I would say honestly is again, just I'd say seek out, you know, the support of somebody, and there might be suspiciousness, but somebody, you know, that you trust, um, if you really feel like you're going to harm yourself, I would, I would seek out like medical, a medical professional. Um, what, what actually helped me a bit was like, I, this is just something personal. I, I was reading a lot about like critical thinking like books about like critical thinking and like, it kind of like helped me snap back to reality um, and like challenge my thoughts. But in a moment of psychosis, even the most logical, reasonable person can, um, can, you know, uh, think in these very disordered ways. Mm -hmm. So um, honestly, that's what I would say in seeking out like a community, like, um, like your organization that I'm very thankful to be able to share my story with um, and, and just, you know, abstain from all drugs, uh, addictions in general, whether that's alcoholism, weed, whether that's uh, 
anything that plays on your dopamine system and just take care of your health to the best of your ability. Like eat a, eat a, eat a diet that supplies the best nutrients for your brain, like omega threes and choline and things of that nature. That's, that's the stuff that's kind of helped me, but. I think you make some really good points because you described that, that day where your brain kind of snapped. It did feel like a snap. Yeah. Snap, And then you went down this road. And I, I like the way you say, reach out to a trusted friend, you know, don't be alone in this, ask for help, seek professional help. Um, and, and to the viewers too, if you have a friend who's, who is experiencing delusions, like Michael was just saying, he didn't, didn't think anybody could have talked him out of it at the time. Just be present with them and make sure they're safe and get them the help they need to stay safe. So as their brain is healing and they're processing through these scary moments for them, they're, you know, Michael, I hear you say you were suffering, you were scared um, mm-hmm. because you didn't understand what was going on and you weren't really open to other people, what people were saying to you, you were really fixated. So uh, these are just really important points for family members and friends who witness some kind of psychosis or, anxiety, delusions, um, to be present and to remain calm and, um, and keep them as safe as you can and get them into a higher level of care and professional care as soon as you can. But sometimes you got to move forward gentle with it, you know, because, um, if you kind of freak out and the other person gets scared too, things can escalate really uh, fast. And I I've been in situations like that before. So, I just can't even tell you how much I appreciate you sharing these really um, personal experiences. Um, and I, I can say that I think it's becoming very common. I don't know what your view is on that, but um, I speak to people, a new person almost every day. Not many people are willing to come forward and be public like you. But do you think this is becoming a common thing in our our society because of the normalization of marijuana? Yeah, I think... Um... Marijuana is very much ingrained in our culture and, you know, some, some, some older people see it as like a, a phase that younger people go through and some are some like, um, like yourself and other, uh, I believe there was another channel like mothers against pot something. Oh, parents opposed to pot. Yes. Yeah. That they, they, they know more about it. Cause you know, obviously like most people know drugs are bad, but, until like psychosis, until they actually see somebody get psychosis, that it probably shocks them. Um, it shocked me. Like I didn't know that was possible from weed, but I think it's it's very much a common in our culture nowadays. And this this huge myth and lies being propagated that marijuana amplifies your ability to empathize with others and that it mellows you out. Um, I think sometimes like somebody says, "Oh, marijuana helped me." Oftentimes they're either lying to themselves or they're, they're trying to paint everyone with the same brush that if, if it helps me, that then it's going to be good for you. And there's plenty of people who they try to coax others into smoking weed in school. Like I, I got to warn younger people. Um, most of the time when you're going to get high, it's going to be fr- uh, friends from school. Um, maybe even a, maybe even a family member, like a, a cousin or like a, maybe like an older brother. Yeah, I think it's it's not a topic that should be taken lightly uh, considering the science, you know, all this and the experiences. I mean, some people tell me that 
again, that I just couldn't handle it, that it was lace. Um, mm-hmm. I've even seen some people say that these stories are fabrications um, created by Republicans, conservatives, the government, mm-hmm. some some boogeyman in order to demonize this this powerful plant that like unlocks our shared spiritual experience it is like the biggest deception of our time just like what you were just describing you know um that that it's like you said it's embedded in a culture as like normal and um you know and you talked about the science too and and the science just isn't weak or moderate it's very strong the thc in the cannabis plant even in low concentrations can cause episodes of psychosis. Now, most of those psychosis will resolve, but the higher the potency, the more frequent the use, the younger the brain of the user, the greater chance of that psychosis lasting a long time. And 47% of those people that do experience that temporary episode of psychosis convert to chronic psychiatric conditions like schizophrenia or bipolar. And that's like huge. And and like you were saying, this shouldn't be taken lightly. This is a serious concern because you're you're literally talking about having a normal life or living a life with severe mental issues. For the longest time, I was debating with myself whether or not it was marijuana that precipitated that. But then I, I really put the the puzzle pieces together. Every person I know who smokes marijuana, they didn't get psychosis but they have severe impairments in their memory so oftentimes they'll tell me something that they repeated several times Mm. bear in mind these are people my age i'm 23 years old and i'm like well you told me that like several several times and and also a lot of irritability Mm -hmm. i think it hampers down on, on some people's ability to empathize with others um it creates in some people this sort of grandiosity um that I can do whatever I want without disregarding the uh, respecting others' rights and whatnot. Like when I was in uni- university, um, there was a lot of people smoking around me and voice my, um, you know, my concerns and whatnot, and ask them if they could stop. They they would uh, lash out at me and try to fight sometimes. So again, it just casts doubt upon that myth that marijuana heightens your ability to empathize with other people maybe maybe in some people does i don't know the science i i can't say i'm an authority to speak on this matter everything you just said is very true it it creates false belief and a lack of empathy and an entitlement i see that a lot and then i see um really hard time regulating their emotions so if they're going to get mad um they're going to go like to extreme mad it's not just a little mad it's extreme and then if they're feeling sad it's it's serious serious sadness and and depression and a hopelessness that comes there and um um i've been a host mom for youth in recovery and i've had i've had young i've had teens and young adults uh healing from the cannabis use disorder and and the depression that comes from that after where their brain is healing, like it's so scary to me because I worry that they are going to self harm or they're they are going to do something extreme because they're they're just suffering and their their brain is healing. But the message I can give to those people that are, you know, 
choosing better, not wanting to use and seeking that help to treat the addiction, just know that the depression is going to be there a long time. Um, so get all the tools and resources around you to get through that and that your brain is resilient and it will heal and, and develop your dopamine system will re- start regulating again. It's just going to take a long time. The THC is um, fat soluble. So it adheres to the fat in our bodies and our fattiest organ is our brain. So we've got to give our brain a good ample time and I'm I'm not talking, sometimes it's months, sometimes it's years um, to really stabilize and regulate and start functioning well. But like, I love what Michael was saying too, like eat really good, you know, exercise, eat good, all the basic healthy things we're supposed to be doing in general um, and, and, and get yourself a lot of support. Um, there's no shame in getting support. Um, I love the way you even use the term community you know, get yourself in a community that understands that isn't going to be judgmental and is going to support you through this process of healing. Um, I've been part of a recovery community here in Houston, and I didn't have to smoke marijuana to have my issues around it. I, I was devastated and traumatized by what I went through with my family. And I still am today that that hasn't gone away. I just have a lot more tools now. Um, to know how to respond to those feelings that I'm having of trauma and stuff. So um, this, this types of conversations are are just so important. And I, I want to just express my gratitude towards you once again um, for having the courage um, to talk about this, because this, this isn't easy to talk about at all. It's, it's okay. not. And, um, you know, for the, for the, for a large portion of people who've experienced this, including myself, I can say like with great confidence like that my, my life has never been the same after smoking marijuana. I, it's never been the same to this day. I, I kind of have a, again, I still have depersonalization. I, I don't feel like as excited every morning to get up and do things um, as opposed to, well, yeah, like 17 years old, 15, 16, 17. I mean, I was, my mood was uplifted most days. I wouldn't ruminate on things and um, it just changed everything, you know, and I'm, and I'm hoping um, I'm constantly seeking to improve myself, my cognition, uh, exercise, drink a lot of water, clean up my diet, uh, the genetic tests, uh, IQ tests. Uh, academically, I did flourish university. Um, brain scans, spending a lot of money trying to figure out like what's wrong with me and how to optimize my cognition and to feel better. Um, the impairments in memory have been very severe. Um, though I think I did alleviate a lot of it through these lifestyle habits. Again, like I said, I take a lot of healthy fats like omega-3, choline, in no way, shape, or form a medical health professional, just somebody who's experienced this firsthand. So I was initially surprised to find there's so many people experiencing this because I thought it was just, I thought there was just something wrong with me this mm-hmm. uniquely. And I think that's a part of the isolationism, the dangers of isolating yourself and why you need a community, um, preferably maybe like an outpatient, like support group. I remember I used to go to one where people would talk about their addictions and just anxiety and various issues is when you isolate yourself, you can spiral into that thinking where, you know, you're like the only person like who's experiencing this or you're crazy or even this grandiosity, this narcissism that you have spiritual powers and 
you know, the more you isolate yourself from people, the, the more your mental health will gradually um, or rapidly decline. Um, yeah, we have that in common too. Um, marijuana changed me forever too. When I witnessed my son and my husband having severe issues and some of them were episodes of psychosis, it, it totally changed me forever. And I, it, I get emotional because um, I didn't, I knew marijuana wasn't good. And I had a really bad experience with it when I was 16. Um, and I thought I'll never do that to myself again. And, but when I witnessed, you know, two people that I adored that I loved suffering and I started researching it and stuff, it, it changed me forever too, Michael. So I, I relate, I mean, like I don't totally relate because I didn't have that, that long experience of those delusions and stuff, but I relate to you saying it changed me forever. I love, I love the hope you're giving here today. I just want to say I'm proud of you. You know, I'm, I'm a kind of a mama bear. So I just say I'm proud of you and everything you've done to educate yourself and take care of yourself. Um, that does give everybody hope. And I think anybody listening to this is going to, going to um, relate to that. And so on a positive note, even though marijuana is so damaging. Um, there is hope and we can get better. Two resources I can give is uh, Marijuana Anonymous. Um, you can just Google it and they have support groups in person and online. They're worldwide and they have over 500 meetings a week, you know, which um, some of us joke that um, the marijuana proponents in the industry claim that marijuana is not addictive, but but somehow this group has formed that has over 500 meetings a week for people who have been addicted to marijuana. And then for family members who have loved ones that have had negative effects from another person's marijuana use, we have Marinon. So it's M-A-R-A-N-O-N.com. And then Every Brain Matters. We have support groups there for families too. Um, and Every Brain Matters is uh, focused on support and then advocacy. What I call, we call it legalization of marijuana, but I call it the expansion of marijuana um, because people want to just make money off other people's addictions. Yeah, that's really what, it, that's really what it boils down to at the end of the day, whether it's cigarettes or marijuana, alcohol. Yeah, I mean, I, I would definitely be interested in um, advocating, bring awareness and shed light on these issues because again, it's, it's taken very lightly. And even a lot of people I told, they, they, they don't, they still don't believe me. They think this is just like anxiety, just, just anxiety. But now, you know, I found out about this organization and uh, to be able to speak with you and share my story is just, it's, um, I'm very thankful for it. Um, because again, I, I'd say till this day, I, I don't think I'm the same. Uh, I think it's hampered down on my emotions, on my ability to feel pleasure, to experience to experience certain emotions. The people who experience this, they're not to blame because we're made to believe it's good for you, yeah. um, that it's harmless. Others are doing it. Sometimes we're forced to do it or coaxed against our will simply to want to fit in and be cool. You know, there's a big aspect of wanting to fit in socially in school, especially when we're growing up. Um, we want people to like us quite a bit as mm -hmm. humans, as a social species. And that's how I was. And um, I was using it as a form of escapism. Like if I had been able to go to that psych ward earlier and seen that, maybe it would have startled me even more. We have, we've partnered with another organization called the Parent Action Network. 
and we have a marijuana symposium in Washington, D.C. We just had our first one this past year, and there'll be another one this year where we want to take voices like Michael's to Washington, D.C. so the legislators can hear the reality of the marijuana expansion or the legalization of marijuana. There's there's hundreds of marijuana lobbyists, and, and we're, we don't have enough voices on our side so our last symposium, Ethan was sponsored to go to um, Washington D.C. with us, and he went. And he he spoke to many legislators, and he spoke to groups of people, and then he participated in a protest. And he was very grateful to do that because he he he's just like Michael. He 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 feels like he was harmed, and he doesn't think this is right. So to the viewers, give a donation to Every Brain Matters to be sponsored, to go to these uh, places so his voice can be heard. And then we can support him in that. So that's that's what Every Brain Matters does. We support and we advocate because at the end of the day, regardless of what policies are there, like Michael was saying, people need to be informed. Parents need to know. Youth need to know. Everybody has the right to know the truth and the risks um, and the harms of marijuana. So support us here so we can raise the voices of Michaels and get them in front of legislators. And you just go to everybrainmatters.org. Michael, is there anything else that you would you would like to the viewers to know? I can't stress enough how dangerous marijuana can be or is. I'm hesitant to say it is because of the potential backlash that might ensue. But again, I you know, the very notion that there's the very fact that there's backlash, again, just proves to me that there's something not right here. Um, considering, you know, the, the myth, again, that's propagated that, that marijuana heightens your ability to empathize with others, which would necessitate listening to another person's opinion um, without judgment. And, and sort of t- trying to take into account whether or not there's some sort of basis for their uh, for their claims. And that's empathy. You don't necessarily have to agree with it, but the ability to sim- simply consider the option that, you know, there might be some merit to that person's opinion. It's just bizarre that people would attack people that are harmed. You know, you, they, you would think they would say, how can we help? How can we educate? But they don't. Um, um, I'm sure there's some people out there that are that are willing to support um, more, but but it's true. So that's why your courage of speaking out is even more important because you've already had the backlash. You know, it's out there. And um, yeah, I've been told like, I've been told I'm like hateful that I've got an agenda that I'm lying. Um, some of them will just twist my words and just go on completely different topics about like politics and that you support this war on drugs, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, they're getting to all this history that I subsequently researched, but I didn't even know about it prior. I was just some 18 year old who got high. and had. Well, and one thing that helped me years ago when I started speaking out, my good friend Paula McFeeters um, explained, because I was really getting a lot of backlash and I was taking a public stand in our community of Pueblo, Colorado. We tried to push the industry out of our small town because they were causing great devastation to the people there. I mean, literally poisoning the people of Pueblo. And so we had two major, our two major medical communities, law enforcement, we had a ton of families, parents, 
saying, this is not healthy for our community. We want these shops to close. Um, and she explained to me that a good way to kind of look at the people that are attacking me are they're victims and they're in kind of a delusional state. Um, and so, you know, I tried to respond to them as, as nicely and kindly and invite them to get help um, and let them know that I care. Um, you know, that kind of thing. And sometimes I just get like, you know, you're, you know, I say to them, you're just really inappropriate and that's hateful and I don't appreciate it, you know, but it has kind of helped me deal with it over the years. Um, and I ignore a lot of the comments too. So, yeah, I'd like to, um, add on to that. It's a great way. A lot of people, they might initially be feel antagonized by the backlash, but a good way to reframe our mindset and have empathy for them, obviously, like you said, is understanding their victims. And um, I've spoken with people who dealt with, who were in psychosis. I don't know if it was precipitated by marijuana. I've just spoken with people who dealt with psychosis, who had like religious delusion, like thinking like the world was ending, thinking there was like demons around them, like, you know, over like drawings somebody made. And they are very convinced, like that you can't talk them out of it, try to rationalize it. because they truly believe it. And if someone like questions it, there's automatically that paranoia that you're trying to, you're a part of it. Like you're part of the conspiracy. You're part of the agenda. I've learned over the years, boundaries, accountability, consequences, only thing that's going to wake them up. And I I can't control that, Um, whether they want to recognize those consequences and choose better or not. But yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm upset because um, a lot of these individuals uh, claim to live by the the quote "live and let live." So, you, I'm not gonna like, I'm I'm not gonna force my beliefs onto anyone, but at the same time, like continuously trying to coax me into smoking weed. So, you know, it's a free country. You know, people are gonna do it whether or not we like it. But I'm concerned about it being. Uh, you know, propagated that it's safe, being forced on others, coaxed, and especially for younger uh, people in school. You know, there's a lot of convincing. There's a lot of, I want to get people high. There's a lot of podcasts, famous podcasts on YouTube uh, talking about marijuana, and, you know, a lot of celebrities. It's awful. And and I think it was Dr. DuPont who coined it as like chemical slavery. You know, they, they, they preach it's like freedom and you know, it, it's not, it's a, it's a form of chemical dependency that really causes great suffering. And, and the fact that they, they target disadvantaged communities and vulnerable populations like the youth, like that's where my mama bear like drive comes into why I'm so passionate about this issue. It's like, it's wrong to put that pressure to use a chemical that's so harmful and that can lead them down a path of severe mental illness and even death. And, you know, I'm in touch with families that their, their kids were, had cannabis use disorder to, they took a pill because it it, it increased their anxiety. So they took a pill, like they thought they were taking Xanax and it was fentanyl and they're gone. I think our youth and our families need the message that you're beautiful who you are. You don't need to change who you are. And it's okay to be sad. It's okay to be, you know, feel all these emotions you have growing up. That's your human experience. 
and taking a chemical to change that because you're feeling sad or you're feeling anxious, you know, marijuana is not the choice for that. Despite what the industry is saying, they're a predatory addiction for profit industry. That's who they are. They want to addict and and um, and prey on vulnerable people and populations because at the end of the day, they just want to make money. And so the more people they get using, the more money they make. And and the more potent the product, the more harmful the product, and the more addictive the product. And we get the tobacco regulations right, and we are fools to think that we can regulate marijuana. It's been an epic failure. The last thing I would say is, at the moment, what I really needed was a real was a real friend, mm. uh, a real friend, real support, not you know people who were d- dismissing my concerns and trying to coax me to do something that I was. Um, vehemently opposed to initially um so really i that's that's what you need is is always like a really trusted friend relative support group um is ideal as well because you have a, a large community of people um which is very emotionally psychologically soothing uh, shared experiences so so that's that's really what what I needed most at the time, and maybe I would have reconsidered uh, smoking so much weed. We thank Michael for coming forward and sharing his experience with us today. We need your support, so please make a donation to Every Brain Matters. Join our community, share and like this podcast, and leave us a good review. We need your help and your support to raise awareness on the harms of marijuana and the drug culture expansion. Thank you. Every Brain Matters is a community of support and advocacy based on science and lived experience. Visit us at everybrainmatters.org.